everybody, it's Samuel Peralta from the Gifted Unplugged podcast. I am proud to bring you our second episode of the Gifted Unplugged podcast. In this episode, I have the privilege of sitting down with CEO Eugene Johnson. A little bit about Eugene Johnson is that he is the CEO of a company out in San Francisco called Zyro. They're a startup tech company and they're impacting this world like crazy. A little bit about his background is that Eugene Johnson grew up in one of the toughest neighborhoods in New York City. He then often found himself caught up in the difficulties of living in an impoverished area. Through all of his circumstances that weren't great, he still had dreams of taking his life to unpredescended heights. While Eugene was in college, he started his first business at the age of 18. He built this business from the ground up, just starting with himself, and then eventually it grew to hundreds of people nationwide. At age 26, he then sold a large stake of that business to a partner. After selling his company, he then traveled to places like Dubai and Africa. He then spent some time as a consultant helping leaders grow their businesses. As a consultant, he built his social media following to over 250k followers, and he also wrote a book that became an Amazon bestseller called The Mental Playbook. You see, after spending so much time as a consultant, Eugene then needed to get back into entrepreneurship, and he had always been fascinated with technology. However, Eugene's business experience, he knew that he didn't have enough tech experience, so he decided to work on a tech company and learn first. He chose a small and at the time tech company called Meraki. Eugene ran sales for this company and for his territory. That territory then grew to seven states and he increased revenue for his region by millions. Because of this, he gained recognition as one of the top sales executives at Meraki. Cisco eventually then acquired this company for $1.5 billion. Eugene spent almost five years there before he came up with the idea of Zyro. Eugene has taken what was just an idea into a thriving business and has positioned this company for great future success. Outside of Eugene's business endeavors, he's also a father and a husband and a youth pastor. This is the Gifted Unplugged Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Eugene Johnson. I am uh, currently the CEO of a tech startup out here in San Francisco. Um, you know, my background, I've pretty much been an entrepreneur my entire life. Um, I got saved when I was 18. Um, maybe we can go into that story at some point. Um, but I got saved in Oklahoma City of all places. I'm from New York originally. And, um, you know, you know, God radically changed my life, shifted where, uh, you know, my philosophy and my thought pattern and opened up an opportunity for me to kind of, you know, take this business route. And, um, you know, four companies later, you know, I'm here with Zyro and, um, yeah, things are going well. That's super awesome. Well, I know that there are a couple, I mean, we've been hanging out all day. <laughs> um, we spent, I spent the day today with... Um, with Eugene here at Zyro, which has been um, awesome, just being able to, you know, sit alongside you. Um, a little bit about like uh, our relation of our background. I know most of you guys know Marvin Gabriel, who does photography, videography, not only for Gifted Live, but also for Zyro, which yeah. is um, a great connection. I really do believe it was a God connection. And through that, um, Marvin came to me one day, was like, dude, you got it. You got to meet my CEO. He is 
awesome. And so um, through that, we hopped on a phone call and kind of shared visions, and um, here we are. Yeah, man. You know, so it, I'm just excited um, to talk about your story. As I was kind of reviewing your LinkedIn bio, <laughs> no, there, there, there was just a lot of, a lot of things that, that really jumped out to me. Um, and I would definitely say, like, let's get to know you a little bit yeah. for sure. Yeah. And um, I know you said you grew up in New York. Yeah. And so, I mean, go ahead and like, let me know what, how, what was it like, you know, growing up? So I was, um, you know, in the earlier days, I was a quiet kid. Um, I didn't do a lot. I didn't really say a lot up until about time I turned like 11 or so. Um, I grew up in a household where, you know, my father was... Um, was, was not really there when he was. He was drinking, um, you know, abusive, things of that nature. And so I was always, yeah, I, I think by the time I hit 10 or 11, I started acting out because I was just angry, upset. And, um, you know, I kind of took to the people around me, the environment around me. So I grew up half my life in uh, Brooklyn, New York, the other half of my life in Queens while I, while I was in New York. And, um, you know, for me, I just, I kind of fell into a crowd of people who, um, you know, sold drugs, were in gangs, um, and I fell into that life. You know, I started drinking at like 11 years old, so, you know, um, you know, people ask me why I don't drink now. I think I probably had more than enough drinks <laughs> from yes. the time I was 11 until a teenager, uh, late teenager, and um you know, I just got I got in a ton of trouble, and about right before I turned eighteen, I had a little bit of a turning point, which was kind of funny. It's funny how God works in ways that you don't even know that He's working, even before I knew who God was. Because I never really stepped foot in a church right. um, up until the time I was eighteen. Um, but seventeen, I was literally I had made a decision. It was New Year's, right when I was turning seventeen. Uh, and I had made a decision that I was going to um, take over the streets. That wow. was that was <laughs> at that point I was like just making money. Like I was yeah. making a, a good, you know, I was making some money, but I was I was really at the point where I was thinking, man, I'm about to I'm about to turn it up and do whatever I can to do that. And a couple months later, while I was like building my plan of how I was going to do it, mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine's. Um, that I went to college with. So I went to this city college in New York. And, um, you know, I went, you know, because I had some friends there and played basketball and things of that nature. And a friend of mine was like, yo, you got to go to, you got to start this business. You want to make some extra money. And I was like, make extra money. I'm always down to make money. What, what is it? And so they wouldn't tell me. And they were just like talking about it and like kind of laughing about the business while we were on the train ride home. And I got mad, and I was just like, look, if y'all ain't gonna tell me about it, then stop talking. And so they ended up saying, okay, we're gonna tell you about it, but we'll call you about it tomorrow. We're gonna introduce you to this guy, our mentor guy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. So then the next day came, they didn't call me. So I called them, and I was like, yo, Jonathan, you ain't called me. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh man, I forgot, I'll call you later. He never called me, and then a couple of days later, he finally called me and put me on the phone with this guy named uh, Michael Lubier. Mm. At the time, he said his name was uh, Mr. Lubier. So I'm just like, all right, Mr. Lubier, cool. Come to find out, Mr. Lubier, Michael is the guy we played basketball with in college. So he's oh, wow. literally okay, a guy okay. on, the, on, my, on the basketball team. Like we would, 
he would be on one end of the court at the end of practice. I'd be at the other, and he'd be like, I, we would always stay late, and I would leave. I would say, Mad Mike, and he would say, Eugene the Dream. That's the only words we <laughs> ever said to each other on the basketball court. That's funny. But um, he ended up um, uh, being the guy that I talked to. He convinced me to get started with this business. Long story short, they had this convention in Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. and I never left the city of New York at okay. that time. And he had me get in the car. Uh, he said, look, we're going to drive to Oklahoma. He gave up his plane ticket and all so wow. we could drive to Oklahoma because I didn't have the money to fly. Right, right. And we get in the car, and he's like, this is how long ago this was. He was like, hey, go in the glove compartment, pass me the maps. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we looked at paper maps. Oh, my and God. so I go in the glove compartment, I look, and it says 24 hours. And I'm like, Mike, you got the wrong map. This is not the right map. He's like, nah, it's a 24-hour drive to Oklahoma. I was like, oh, nah, that's it. I'm out. And I got out. I literally got physically got out of the car, went to the, the, the trunk to go get my stuff. I was like, dude, I'm not driving in a car for 24 hours. <laughs> and he, it was him and my boy, Nick Rollins, and they convinced me to go. And at the time, you were 17? I was, I was just turning 18. I think I just, I, I think I just turned 18. Okay, okay. Um, at that point. And... We end up going to Oklahoma, and like literally, that decision changed my life. Like, if I don't think my life would be where it is right now if I if I got out of the car that day. Um, and I remember I, I used to always. So one of my principles when I was like, um, you know, when I was super young, maybe twelve or thirteen or something like that. One of, I brought a knife to school and I got in trouble mm -hmm. and I got caught. One of my principals told my mom like, "Your son is going to be dead and in jail by twenty one," mm -hmm. and you know. Some people get mad at the, the principal for saying that, but the reality is, like, I was kind of mad at myself because I believed it at that time. And I started living my life in that direction. So if I wouldn't have jumped into that car, I think that that would have been my life. But I went to this event. There was, like, 10,000 people there. And I remember um, they, were, they had people crossing the stage. And every person that crossed the stage kept saying, I want to thank God. And I just kept thinking, why do they keep thanking God? Like, what does God got to do with it? Like, God, right. God's got nothing to do with this. Y'all did the work. That's why I kept saying in my head. And I was really kind of getting frustrated because I kept thinking, like, why do they keep thanking God? <clears throat> and I remember that Sunday, they had, like, a church service thing that they were doing at the inside one of the hotel conference rooms. And it was just, like, maybe 50 people who gathered on that Sunday morning before that Sunday breakout session. And I ended up getting convinced so mike basically told me we were so broke that we would eat like sandwiches but we like peanut butter sandwich it's supposed to be peanut butter and jelly sandwiches okay. but mike didn't go get any jelly when he went <laughs> to the store so literally we eating peanut butter sandwiches that entire wow. time and I was, it's terrible so mike basically was like I'll, I'll buy you breakfast if you go to church wow and i was like i don't really like church but free breakfast i can't pass that so i ended up going and it's this guy by the name of Ed Paz. He actually has a church out here in Oakland uh, called The Movement. But this guy named Ed Paz, I, one of the things I didn't like about Christianity, because I, I always thought that pastors would like, how could you tell me I'm going to go to hell? And then like, all right, we're going to go eat chicken later, right? So <laughs> I just, it just didn't, it was, just wasn't real for me. Yeah. And Ed Paz preached a message and he literally cried from the start of the message to the end of the message, every single minute of that message for 45 minutes straight, 
he cried. And his whole sermon was, the king doesn't want to see you in hell. Dang. And I don't know what it was, but like that hit me so hard. Um, and you know, at that time, obviously I'd never been to church, never even heard a, a full sermon before. And um, I, at the time I was also doing music. So I had a, a, a record deal on the table that I was about to you know, get go into with Columbia Records, a multi-million dollar record deal. Uh. And the Lord hit me so hard in that scenario. God told me, I don't want you to do music. And he said, I, now I don't want you to take this deal and everything that you're gonna lose here, I'll I'll give it back to you. Mm. I want you to walk away from this though. And I remember calling my friend because we were like a group. It was me and him, kind of like the Eclipse or something like that. And me and him, uh, I called him up. I remember it was like nine o'clock in the morning in Oklahoma, so it was like super early, seven a.m. And I was calling him, crying, saying, "Dude, I can't do music with you no more." And he was just like, "Wait, what? What are you talking about?" <laughs> And uh, he, I, he, he's still upset with me. So oh my God, to this very day. Yeah, um, but like, you know, God had other plans for me and, and that, that's where everything shifted. So I ended up finding God in a hotel conference room in Oklahoma City from the ghetto kid from Brooklyn, New York. That's so crazy. Kind of crazy how that all came together. Yeah, uh, it's funny because as you were speaking, like it reminded me of a, a very recent story, I think back in, 2017, me and my friend um, went to go, it was like during that leadership stuff we were talking about earlier, um, it got introduced to John Maxwell, a leadership mm. author. Nice. And it, I had an opportunity to drive to Vegas, yeah. go through the desert, drive like nine hours, you know, um, me, just <coughs> me and my buddy. And we go, given like, we barely have enough money to pay for the hotel, mm. pay for gas. And, and we're there and we're living with a cup of noodles and top ramen. Yeah. Like that's what we could afford for food. You know what I mean? And we're going to this conference and then they decide to have a church service that same morning. Yeah. Um, given I, at that time I was already, I had already dedicated my life, you know, to serving to, to, for Christ and all that stuff. But my friend was kind of just kind of like, mm, I don't know how I feel about it and stuff. But we didn't go um, because it was like a, any event having to do with Jesus. Yeah. Um, we went for like leadership training, right? Mm -hmm. And we go, and then they wanted up doing like, uh, like a worship service and church service, like eight o'clock, and the, the leadership ceremony started at ten. Mm -hmm. And so we decided, all right, we didn't go home till two, and we like we got up really early. So, anyways, we go there. And they have this, this church service, and like ten, there's like ten thousand people that are there, yeah, and like I think they gave like an altar call, and like wow. five thousand people got saved, including my friend. Wow! And so just like hearing you talk about that, wow. it's just like you get into a situation or a predicament where you don't you don't have any expectations, yep. and you think you you're you're there for a reason, yeah. But God has some other plan. Another plan. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like that's just crazy, and he tends to do that, you know, um, you know, through a lot. Um, a lot of the time that we do. So I know that we talked about kind of like, you know, what, what college looked like for you. Um, what would you say, what are some of the like, biggest accomplishments between the time that you were like 18 going into your 20s that you had, you had opportunities to experience? I mean, I think that the big thing is that first business, there were a lot of ups, there were a lot of downs. Mm -hmm. um, I had some successes, I had some failures. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I gained, some somebody asked me a question not too long ago about 
if I had the opportunity to do it all over, like what pieces would I keep and what would I give up? Like if you had the opportunity to take the experience or the money, which one would you take? Mm. Uh, in that first business, and I was like, hands down, I would take the experience because who I became in that time period shifted everything. Because when I when I at eighteen I got saved and I started that business around eighteen, um, and then at nineteen I basically moved to California. Well, really just before 19 i moved to california so wow. i was literally a year into my walk with christ when i moved to california okay. and but that was like the best situation for me because i was like i was i was trying to change my life but i was still in the same environment okay. that create created that that the, the person that i was so i was trying to make a shift but like the, the environment kept trying to pull me back in and that was back in new york this is back in new york and so when i decided okay i need to shift mm -hmm. and this was a great opportunity i moved out here uh to california i was like man if i could just get away for like six months a year a year and a half like you know i can kind of get my life right I, i'm already starting to have some success out here yeah, on the yeah. west coast man i might as well just go out there you know, and then I could come back with a fresh mind, fresh ideas, fresh mentality. And so I came out here thinking that was the, the plan, but I think that God had like a totally different <laughs> mentality for where, what he, and cause I never thought about, like I'm, I'm, if you know me, you know, I'm like a New Yorker through and through. Like I like love, like I still claim New York to this day for everything. So me walking away from New York at that time was almost like, I was like, I would never do that. Like, I'm a New Yorker. I'm, oh, I'm, of course, I'm gonna go back home. But um, yeah, I think that guy had. That was like the biggest opportunity for me to grow, become a different person, become a better person. Um, and then kind of uh, back, uh, uh, you know, closer to your question of, um, you know, this transition of success in that time period. I think that me having that alone time between me and God helped me develop to, uh, in in a way that allowed for me to like create the success that was ultimately allowed for me to sell that company to a friend and um, do a little bit of traveling, yeah. uh, like I what talk you, about. Where'd you go you traveling? Um, I went a lot of different places, you know, Mexico, Africa, Dubai. Um, you know, I traveled in the States. Like, I did a bunch of different stuff. <laughs> and, um, and how old were you around this time? 24, 25, hey. something like that. So, you know, I enjoyed it. I had a great time and you know, I learned a lot. I got a different perspective. You know, going to Africa, like I remember I used to say, man, when I'm 50, I'm gonna go to Africa. <laughs> One of these days when I'm like 50, 60, I'm just gonna go to Africa. So I couldn't believe I was like 20 something in Africa. And um, man, I think I, I, I learned the difference between worship and praise in Africa. Um, there was this lady who lived on uh, the actual garbage dump. Like they literally built sticks and plastic drapes in this garbage dump. And she had her family there and she had so much joy. I'm, like I was talking to her, we were supposed to come there and bring her stuff, but she was so busy trying to feed us and give us drinks. And she's just like, man, God has been so good to me. God has been so great. Like I just so happy with my life. And I'm just thinking, wow, this lady is living on trash, like literally trash. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I realized like, you know, 
praise is when like man i praise god that i got this job like praise god i got this business opportunity praise god that my kids are healthy but like worship is like a whole deeper thing where you're yeah. just like man just god thank you for being you yeah. like you don't have to give me anything uh -huh. or do anything and so like that's really what i got in my 20s more than the success itself it was like perspective and shifted my perspective to be a person that was more about um, accomplishing and making an impact than, yeah. than just you know creating a substance for myself. Yeah. It's crazy that you say that because I know that um, you know a little bit of our conversation earlier is that you so you came back, you came back from Dubai, came back from Africa, all this traveling, you sold your company, and then I know that you built. You built a social media presence. Yep. 250K. Yeah, about 250K. And then you wrote a book. Did right at Amazon, selling best, best selling book. Best selling on Amazon. And then I know that you were working for a couple, like for, for a sales company. And yep. Like did all this stuff and were successful. So like, how did your time coming back and, and, and you know, building that following, like how did that relationship with God play into your success? It found, it gave me a foundation. Really, a lot of it was about foundation because what you could do, what, what tends to happen, and this actually happened to me, it, you tend to get caught up in the things that you're doing yeah. and God becomes secondary. Mm. And I remember there was like this one and a half year time period that was making a ton of money, you know, multiple, multiple six figures. Um, and I felt like I was getting so tied into the success of what it, what I was doing, right. that like, I, it's not like I stopped going to church or I stopped believing in God or anything like that, but like my, I, I, I felt my spirit was not aligned. Right. And um, I think that like having a focus on God allows for you to stay rooted in like making sure that this is about what is the end result? Because if you look at like from this end of the table to this end of the table, like if you say this is eternity, like this little speck right here yeah. is like your life. <laughs> and like eternity is so much bigger. Yeah. And so when you have a focus on eternity, it becomes, it shifts your perspective to say, like, what am I living for? And if you stay rooted in that, you, get, you don't get caught up with all of the other stuff. And once you get it, you know, I know a lot of people don't believe this, but once you get it, it becomes very little, it, it has very little significance. You know, you get the car and you get the house and you're like, man, my life is gonna be, you know, different and crazy. And now I've got the cars and the houses and I don't, like, I don't really care. Like, it doesn't matter to me. I was, I was listening to a documentary, a documentary video, Lecrae, you know Lecrae? Yep. I think some of us know Lecrae. We watched the video and he was just talking about how he, made, he hit the Grammys. That was his goal. And then he did it again. And then he did it again. And now he's hanging out with Kirk Franklin. And he's just like, to be honest, man, like, it's not satisfying. And so I want to take a second to kind of speak to the viewers um, through this question. But what would you say are so, like a couple common things that, or what would you say to whether it was your younger self or someone who's in the 20s now, um, what would you say to them if they're chasing after success but still trying to balance a relationship with God? Like, yeah. where is the peace in that? Yeah, I think that there can be a lot of peace in going after God and going after 
you know, um, your success, but you remember what you're going after success for. That's all you have to do. And then God will kind of root you in the way that you need to be. You know, one of the things I, I, I tell a quick story and that people say, God, you called me to be this great person, this amazing person, this great person. So I always say, think about yourself like cake batter, right? Mm -hmm. And as cake batter, you're sitting in this pot yeah. on, on the counter and you're like, God, I know I've been called to be this. I know you've been, you called me to do all of these great things. And then God says, yes, I have. So then God takes his infinite wisdom, takes you off of the counter and puts you in the oven. <laughs> but unfortunately, yeah. in the oven, it's hot. Yeah. And what people tend to do is like, it's hot. It's hot, God. Take me out. Like, yeah, take yeah, me yeah. out. <laughs> and God pulls you out. And then you sit there and you're like, you start to get cold and you start saying, man, God, I've been called to be this great mm, thing. Man, wow. I know I've been called. And then God's like, all right, put you back in the oven because that oven is the necessity of that process is, is necessary to become what, what you've been called to become. Wow. And then when you get out and you become the cake that you were actually called to be, mm. the crazy thing is you become a cake. But the cake is not never meant to be nourishment to yourself. Like I've never seen the cake eat itself. <laughs> right. The cake is meant to be nourishment to others. And so what people end up doing is they end up focusing on the cake so that they can nourish themselves instead of focusing on the impact that they can make to be nourishment to others. And I think that if you keep the foundation core to what you're trying to do and who you're trying to impact them and why you're trying to impact them, then it becomes very easy to kind of balance this thing between career and success or career and 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 god um as long as you keep the foundation true wow that was you ever have those moments in church when people are like preaching <laughs> yeah that was one of those moments um you know we got about five minutes left and, and i really um one thing is that i know you spent some time as a young adults pastor yes um and balancing that or 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 no like, as a pastor right mm -hmm. And then now your current, you're, where you are right now in life, you're you're a father. Yep. And you've been married for over like six years. Six years. Six yep. years now. And now you're running a company, yep. running Zyro. Yep. You just hit you know a million dollars in revenue. And like, so how does how does that how do you transition? How do you balance that lifestyle? Or maybe um, just share share a mindset yeah. behind that. So one thing is you gotta have like a super amazing person by your side, like. You know, if it wasn't for my wife, my wife has sacrificed a lot. She, you know, constantly, you know, does a lot to hold me down. Um, and she does a lot on her own. Like, she's like, she goes in and kills it on her side. And she's she's amazing, you know, amazing person, a woman of God. And so, you know, first thing is having, like, that right person and finding that right person um, to to connect with. And then outside of that, I think that if you if you have a good communication as far as here's what our vision is and getting together, here's what we're trying to do, here's what we're trying to become, and there's clarity there, it makes it easy for you to go out and do some of the other things. Because people always ask, like, how do you balance it all? And it's really not about balance. You'll never have, like, work-life balance. Work-life balance is like a myth, right? You know, when you have success finances maybe a house is not doing so well somebody's sick or there's a you know death in the family you know you have great health and your you know 
you know, your business is going crazy. Like it, it's always a give and take. You never have a hundred. People always say, oh man, I'll come to God when everything is good. Well, you ain't never gonna come to God. <laughs> it ain't never all gonna be good. So what you need to have is like work-life harmony. Things need to be harmonized together. When things are up and down, everybody understands each other. And I think for me, you know, having a clarity in communicating what it is that we're trying to accomplish together, I think it makes it easy for you to, you know, um, to do all the things that we do. Um, and the last thing I would say is is, is schedule management. So some yeah. people say time management, but it's just schedule management where, I, you know, my wife doesn't like this as much, but I schedule everything. No, so yeah, I'm like, point on that. if it don't go on the calendar, I don't know if it's gonna happen. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, I know we're kind of on the last two minutes and- um, And I have, I have a couple minutes if you guys wanna go in the Q&A. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll definitely see if, if the viewers have anything. Um, but I know that, um, you know, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about success. We talked about, you know, um, just balancing a lifestyle with, you know, God using a moment to capture us. Yeah. Um, through your life, through your understanding, through your time, experience, pastoring, running a business, uh, obtaining certain, uh, I would say, the world, what the world would consider success. Um, what's something you would want to share with the viewers, our believers, people that maybe aren't believers as well? Yeah. So there's a poem by Marianne Ann Williamson called Our Deepest Fear. And this is poem like just touches me. It hits home to how I believe success should look like. Is It's called Our Deepest Fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is not our light, but our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who are we to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, beautiful? Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that others won't feel insecure around you. You are meant to shine as children do. And as you let your light shine, you unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as you are liberated from your fears, your presence automatically liberates others and I think that that whole concept my favorite part is as you let your light shine you unconsciously give other people permission to do the same and one of my favorite verses is in Matthew 5:15, which is let your light so shine so that others will see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven and I think that that's really what I want to leave with you is just saying that you know rem remember that it's not about you the impact that you make on the people around you is really the thing, the legacy that you leave behind. And you know, my hope for everybody is that you don't get caught up chasing the dollar or chasing you know what the world looks at as success. You know, because you'll end up chasing you know chasing something that never ends um, and, and that never satisfies. But if you st if you chase you know and you seek first the kingdom, everything else will come. So that's that's really kind of you know what I would focus on. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Awesome. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I know you said we had a couple minutes. Um, guys, if you have any questions, I'm going to go ahead and have maybe Marvin, um, if you could maybe keep an eye on, see if we have any questions coming through right now, feel free to ask. Um, and maybe if one of you guys, Marvin or Hannah, if you guys, maybe a question off the top of your head or, yeah, feel free to take, take a moment. You can draft it up, but yeah. I always like leave it open. It's kind of chill <laughs> after the, chill. you know. Yeah, yeah, man. See, I told you this is this is how I would have wanted to spend my birthday. To me, this is cool. <laughs> this is what cool kids do. See, <laughs> so y'all give them a happy birth, some happy birthday love in the comment section. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
Cheryl says, very well put. Thank you. Mm. Hey, mama, how are you? Hannah's mama. Oh, hey, she's she's a big supporter. Oh, that's awesome. She's supporting us through our DMs. When I was doing that vegan thing, she uh, was like giving me tips. Nice. Oh, she's great. <laughs> Thank you guys. Awesome. Thank you guys. Appreciate you guys so much. Um, man, uh, I, yeah, this is always awesome. It's always good. Always, always good. good. Cool. Well, do, do we have any questions? No problem. Well, guys, this was Gifted Live with Eugene Johnson. Yes, sir. And it was a blessing and honor. Man, Always. Oh, you already know. And guys, um, for, for those who are tuning in, I just want to say thank you for tuning in the whole time. Um, and for those who are just hopping on, you know what I mean? You guys are awesome. And I will see you guys in two weeks. Till next time, this was Gifted Live with Eugene Johnson. Nice. Take care. All right, guys. Sayonara.